When looking at the stars, it is easy to forget that the light they shine is not the light they are giving out now, but is the glow from many years in the past. It takes a long while for that output to reach us, so what we are seeing is a former version of those stars. In a similar way, the new songs that we hear are also a glimpse into an artist's past. Records take time to make, and even while they do not take nearly as long as most starlight does to reach us, they can still reflect a much earlier image of an artist, especially when life changes are afoot. It is a curious phenomenon where music artists can be celebrated for new songs and albums that they made when they were still growing into who they would be a year or two later, once that music made it to our ears. And with her third album, How Many Times, Esther Rose reveals a slightly different version of the person she has become since recording its 10 songs in her former hometown of New Orleans. If this album is the prologue, then count me in doubly for what she brings us next, because this collection is a stellar display of songwriting hooks, memorable lyrics, and a band that is totally in sync. Bringing it all together is Esther's voice, as pure and clear as starlight. Welcome to Southern Songs and Stories. I'm your host, Joe Kendrick, and this is our episode on Esther Rose. Now living in Taos, New Mexico, Esther spoke with me by video call in late February of 2021, when she was spending her first winter in the high desert that she had so long admired. Coming up, you will hear Esther play two songs from her new album Live, as well as our conversation about her being a country music misfit, about taking the tough times she has experienced and encapsulating them in the beauty of a song, her musical influences who are anything but household names, and much more. Southern Songs and Stories is part of the podcast lineup of both Public Radio WNCW and Osiris Media. Osiris creates music podcasts and events to help music fans deepen their connection to the music they love with all of their shows at OsirisPod.com. Osiris works in partnership with Jam Bass, which connects music fans to the music they love and empowers them to go see live music. 
Capsule versions of Southern Songs and Stories are produced for broadcast on WNCW by me, Corey Askew. More information about this and other podcasts from Grassroots Radio, WNCW at WNCW.org. This one has been pretty fun to play from the new record. It's called Good Time. Make it happen, oh you know, you know I will I saw the rolling hills of, of Nelsonville Standing still Made it everywhere, I said, I said I'd be Oh now what is to become, become of me Turn and leave it's a good time having a real good time it's a real good time for bad timing now you're packing up your your dirty clothes you've been out so long it's starting to show a common rose now you're lacing up your your walking shoes it's like you thought that they just give it to you you've been schooled it's a good time having a real good time it's a real good time for a bad time Said you'd make it and you RSVP. Oh, I can't take it, honey. Come see about me. You're so mean. Leave your trouble, honey, right at the door. And leave your girlfriend, too, you know. She's such a bore. I love you more and more. It's a good time Having a real good time It's a real good time For bad timing Amen I read a couple of things about this record and some of them, the couple of things that attributed the statement that you said that this is a country record because, and I read two different things about why that was. And one of them said that it was for your habit of going for walks in wild places to untangle your mind. And the other said that it was the personal nature of the songs. Are those two statements at odds or... Are people reading it right? Um, gosh, I mean, I just want to further confuse you by throwing like a new statement in. I mean, I think I just, it's sort of like, you know, everyone has their own definition of country music 
and we're all coming to music from such different like genres and so you know I kind of just said that just to kind of open it up and and remove the genre aspect of it and and just state like yeah I'm literally in the country so there's no there's no way to dispute the genre it's a big term country music it's it's very broad how do you find yourself in that context would you find a specific place um no, we're kind of misfits, um, and I kind of like it that way. I, it's kind of nice not really fitting in any, anywhere. I feel like I'm used to that in my life, and that's kind of what's so great about um, the New Orleans music community is that we all kind of are coming from really different places in the world and, you know, in the, in the musical spectrum. So I think that it's kind of just a gathering spot for misfits, and, and I like that. New Orleans is a city very well known for jazz, but I've not first associated New Orleans with a lot of other styles. So tell us about the scene there for your kind of country flavor. Mm. Um, yeah, well, I feel like every kind of style of music has its home there. I mean, you name it, it's all happening. Um, but the country music scene has really been flourishing um, in the past few years, and I think that's due to... Um, mashed potato studios which is this um kind of like this um renaissance of analog recording um and these two guys sam doors and duff thompson got a reel-to-reel and started um recording bands um in their houses and so my band was one of the first bands to like make a record and release it like through their system and um and since then, they've just recorded so many incredible bands. And so it's really kind of, it's shown us what a beautiful scene we have. Yeah, we're fans of Sam Doors, too. Oh, cool. Yeah, he co-produced um, the last two records, but this most recent one I did with Ross Farb, who also did everything analog with a reel-to-reel, and he's been doing a lot of bands in New Orleans as well. Recording it live to tape, was that a new experience? No, that's how we've done them all. Um, I prefer to work without a click track and just have the band play live if we can. So how many takes does that, how does that affect the outcome of the record versus say being able to go in knowing that you're going to overdub? Well, it's been a long time since I went in knowing I was going to overdub. So we just kind of do what we have to do. And sometimes it can be challenging, you know, if we're like, eight tries into a song and we still haven't got it, then I think things get really fun then because that's when the band, you know, no one wants to be the person that has to stop the take and rewind the tape. So like that's when magic can really happen. A lot of magic happened with Esther's band in the studio. And when I mentioned that they were the secret ingredient for the sound of the album, she replied that they were actually the main course with Matt Bell on lap steel, Lyle Werner on fiddle, Cameron Snyder on drums, Max Bien Khan on electric guitar, and Dan Cutler on bass comprising her main group, Esther has no trouble making these 10 songs shine. But with her move westward, future albums with this lineup are up in the air. She plans on collaborating with them and other artists she knows who still call New Orleans home, 
sometime again in the future, but with a year of being able to play only solo, that looks to be her new mode. Her newest songs explore new themes as well. While much of How Many Times reflects on the breakup of her marriage with Luke Winslow King, coming up, you can expect to hear songs not about heartbreak, but about everything from family and friendship stories, wide-eyed wonder at the natural world, and deep dives into forgotten memories, among others. Maybe these new songs will be easier to bring to life than the ones on How Many Times, which I noted in our interview. And these songs were really pretty new when you went into the studio, so you had a kind of a different relationship with them when you recorded them. I think it might have been a little bit more difficult to get it down. Is that right? Um, meaning we hadn't tried them out on the road for years and years? Well, I was referring to an interview where you talked about your sort of relationship with the material, with the, the lyrics, with where the songs were coming from. Well, certain songs I've just completely avoided playing live, and so those songs were pretty tough to record. Um, but that's what... I want that. I want that toughness. I, it's nice when things... It's not nice. How do I describe it? I mean, what else is there in life? It's like... It's, it's a great opportunity to revisit a moment of learning and encapsulate it in beauty and then from that moment on the song is no longer as intense or difficult to get through it's like a real marker and you talked about how um, the production was influenced by two-step dancing and how that uh, kind of informed some of the songs on here in the recording process tell us about two-stepping and how you like dancing Yeah, well, I guess that when I'm sitting around working on songs, unknowingly, I'll kind of imagine how I might dance to it. Um, So I think that that rhythm has been like a constant theme through um, the albums. You know, they're danceable. Um, Gosh, I miss partner dancing. What about you? (laughs) <laughs> yeah, there's not that much opportunity nowadays. Yeah. You've said that you are, that you have been terrified of being misunderstood. So what have people misunderstood about you? Um, I think I was speaking to like my fear of just releasing music, right? I started at 27. So I wasn't, I had been used to having like a private life until then. Um, and writing songs for myself and my friends. So it was more of just like being vulnerable, putting my deepest all-consuming passion to presenting it to social media and the media and, and just saying, you know, here you go. I think it was kind of just that fear overall. Um, but that has gotten a little bit easier mm-hmm. at times. Because here we are talking. Yeah. Is there anything that you think about that you want people to take away from Esther Rose music that, that you want them to feel in any certain way or to understand about you? Um, there's nothing that I would say that I wouldn't say in my music. I think that I really want people to listen to the record in its entirety, in a sequence, 
you know, I want people to like have that interaction um, and have the interviews and stuff like that be fun, but not be like the primary reason. There's, it's got to be about the music itself. And you've taken a while to make this record and you've not gotten into the habit that a lot of artists are in nowadays of periodically releasing singles. Everything seems to be driven by the streaming market nowadays, but how would you uh, view the way you're doing it in an album format versus the, the other way of releasing singles every few months? Oh, I'm, I'm open to that. Um, but I do think that with the album, there's kind of like this, you know, the waiting period, right? Where the songs kind of steep a little bit. And, and I, at first it can be challenging to like get with that time schedule. And, and, but what I think it has actually done is kind of like deepen my relationship to the music and helped me see these songs more as a collection from the past. Um, and I think it's nice, but singles are great because you can, if you write a lot, which I do, or try to like to, um, you can kind of keep up with your work a little bit and that that's really freeing. So I'm not against them. You wouldn't want to play us another song, would you? Wouldn't I? I would. I would want to. What would you like to hear? Oh, how about the title track? How many times? Okay, let's do it. Standing in the shower till the heat runs out. Trash is on the corner where I put it out. Pills to take the pain Take it all away Dinner and a movie Scrape the bowl I'm never hungry and I'm never full They make pills to ease the pain but that ain't the easy way How many times will you break my heart? 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 Walking through the quarter with my hood pulled up Don't you stand beside me, boys, I got bad luck Prayers to ease the pain But I feel it all the same Thought I hit the bottom, but I'm falling fast Tell me why it's so hard to make a good thing last 
Esther Rose got started in her music career a little later than many artists, and like recent Southern Songs and Stories guest Pony Bradshaw, starting writing songs in earnest in her mid to late 20s. It was then that she picked up the guitar and learned to play, because, as she told me, after being a member in other people's bands where she did not have space for her voice, she had to start her own project where her creativity could come to light. As you might guess from listening to our conversation so far, Leading her own band was less an autocracy than a collaboration between like-minded friends who inspire and influence one another. New Orleans is home to a bevy of young, talented country and Americana music artists, both on Esther's album How Many Times and outside of it, and I asked her about some of the musicians she met there that she cited as being influential to her that I had yet to come across. Hey, I saw it listed that you've got a few influential songwriters that are that are important to you, but I didn't recognize some of these names. So can you tell me about Dean Johnson, and I hope I'm going to pronounce it right, Faustina Masagat, and Kiki Cavazos. Tell us about those people. Yeah, I mean, it would be easy for me to reference artists that are way more well-known, that have been just as impactful like Joni Mitchell, um, et cetera. But I guess what I've noticed is that, you know, the people that I that I know personally that have shared songs with or with Faustina in that case, I just, I went to a house show and met her and was totally blown away. Those moments have been so few and far between that I've been so deeply touched by a record, by a point of view, by a voice that um, 
I just kind of wanted to take the bio as a chance to kind of show or share some music that maybe might be a little bit hard to dig up. Yeah, I think uh, a lot of times people list off the usual suspects for what they say inspires them. And I've noted over time that artists, that that inspiration is not the same as emulation, that what inspires you to do something can be completely different than what you what it sounds like what you're doing. Wow, that's really interesting. Yeah, I think that both all three of those artists and and Dean Johnson's music um will be out someday. Um he's got an incredible record that he recorded with Mashed Potato Studios um around the time when I was finishing up my last record. And so I've just kind of had the private SoundCloud link, which is also musicians are, you know, we always have we always are sharing our private, you know, new records years before they come out. So someday people will get to hear this record and I'm so excited. But yeah, you're right. There's such a difference between inspiration and emulation and the feeling that I get when I listen to those artists is in my own heartbreak, which is what I was going through when I was listening the most to them. Just like space to be, space to feel. All of these records um, and these artists are just there's a lot of integrity in their approach and I don't know it's just it's just good just really good sometimes I think that inspiration works in a way to unlock something that you haven't discovered yet in that you hear something you see somebody else's work and you don't necessarily try to cop to that you don't try to to copy that but it makes you realize there's a new way that you can do something too definitely and 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 that's why I really realized that I wanted to share those artists um as my inspirations because there there were moments when I was listening to to them where I felt just totally free to express myself exactly how I feel um, and sometimes it can take a while in songwriting to get there, right? Like you write something that might be clever or a cool rhyme or you just, you know, and then it's like, well, no, that, that might sound good, but that's not actually what's happening. And for me, it's, it's essential to get to like the present moment and have it be like a very authentic reflection could take layers of digging sometimes to get out of the dream, you know? That's about all for our episode. Thanks for listening. You can see the full interview with Esther on video, which is linked in the show notes. I hope you enjoyed what you heard and might talk to someone you know to let them know about this podcast. You can subscribe to the series on most every platform where you can find podcasts. And once you subscribe, it helps even more when you give it a good rating and a review. Spreading awareness by giving the series a top rating, and even more so with a review, will make Southern Songs and Stories and the artists it profiles more likely to be found by more people just like you. Southern Songs and Stories is a part of the podcast lineup of both Public Radio WNCW and Osiris Media with all of the Osiris shows available at osirispod.com. You can also hear new episodes of this podcast 
on Bluegrass Planet Radio at bluegrassplanetradio.com. Thanks to Sean Rubin for engineering our interview and to Corey Askew for producing the radio adaptations of this series on Public Radio WNCW, where we worked with Joshua Ming, who wrote and performed our theme songs. I'm your host and producer, Joe Kendrick, and this is Southern Songs and Stories, the music of the South and the artists who make it. <laughs>